Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Most stressed out about. And we got answers in there, and then Pastor Aaron went to the American Psychological Association and checked their top five. And it turns out that the entire globe, their top five was y'all's top five. It's all the same stuff, people. You're not alone. What you're dealing with is what everyone else is dealing with, right? So it's, it's, it's money, it's finances, it's relationships, it's the people you've got to deal with, the good people, the bad people, your spouses, the good people, the bad people. I said it. Um, but the number two on both lists was work. It's work stress. That doesn't just mean your career. It doesn't mean your, it's just any of your nine to five. If you're a stay-at-home mom, that's your work. You've got stresses there. If you're a student, you're in school, that's your nine to five. You've got stresses there, right? Again, no one here is stress-free. I'm certainly not stress-free. So that's what we're talking about today. There's a song written way, written way back in the day by a guy named Johnny Paycheck. Anyone heard Johnny Paycheck? Kind of looked like Aaron's brother with a cowboy hat. Anyone know Jeremy? Right? He's got a song called Take This Job and Shove It. Well, this sermon's going to be called Take This Job and Love It. It's going to talk about how you can take those stresses, the pains, the, the, the areas of your job that are rough, and find peace, and find joy. So this whole series about is finding joy through all that pain. So I want to take for a second, how many of you guys have like a best day? If you could envision the best day on the job, what would that look like? No. Right? No work? That's good. That's good. Thanks for answering me. I'm glad someone did. <laughs> right? For me, that's like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to, I'm going to go about my day. I'm going to drive down into the church here. McDonald's is going to have a big sign that says free breakfast burritos. I'm going to pull up, get my burritos. They're going to say free coffee at Starbucks down the road because McDonald's coffee's trash, right? Yeah. Amen? <laughs> so I'm going to go down there and get my coffee. I pull up to the church. The church is finished. There's no more renovation. <laughs> right? Front row parking. Got a new office. Everything's good. I sit down at my new fancy desk. Everything's perfect. My wife texted me and said she just spent $20, or less than $20 at Target. It is a great day. <laughs> right? That's the best day on the job. How many of us have those days? There's a lot less, <laughs> my lovely wife, thank you, a lot less hands go up right now, right? Now, how many of you have had a bad day on the job? Yeah? Stress days, you know, days when you know you're walking in and your hands are shaking because it's just, there's a lot going on. You're not alone. Everyone has had those bad days. Everyone has stress. Everyone has pains. Everyone has those terrible bosses. Everyone's got screaming kids that they got to deal with. Everyone's got those professors that just don't care and they want to get through the day. We're all there. I wasn't talking to Kalina. She's a professor. You're perfect. Keep, stay strong. <laughs> You're not alone in this. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about Solomon, right? He's one of the richest, most powerful people in the entire world. You'd think his life is perfect, but it's not. Ecclesiastes 2, 17 through 26, he says, So I hated my life because of the work. I got all the money, I got all the riches, I got all the people, but I, got, I still got to work. I hated my life because of the work. That's his nine to five. All the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. That's a big word. I've never said work is grievous. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Listen, you can have everything in the world to be the most powerful person in the world, and if you still have to work, you're still going to have pain. You're still going to have stress. The Bible says if we don't work, we don't eat. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean a nine to five, but somewhere along the lines, you've got to be able to provide for yourself. 
So as I was studying for this, I decided to look up some, uh, some numbers. Kinda, I like numbers. I like kind of statistics and things like that. I like making them up as well, but I'm going to use some real ones here. <laughs> so as I was doing some studying, it turned out that I found out that 80% of workers feel stress on the job. Again, as we pulled this room, it's about the same thing. Everyone shot up hands, right? 80% of workers feel stress on the job. 25% felt like screaming or shouting because of job stress. How many of you got a prayer closet at work? That's what you, prayer closet? You're just hoping that that pack of like binder paper can muffle the screams as you're screaming at your boss in the corner, right? 25% felt like screaming. 10% of people are concerned about a person at work they fear could become violent. 14% of the people said, it's me. I'm going to become violent. I'm going to punch someone at my church. They're going to get it, right? 14% of them. I'm the one you should be worried about. 18% said they experienced some sort of threat or verbal intimidation in the past year. 18% of us have had a legitimate issue, a threat. It's not just, oh, I'm stressed, things are hectic. Legitimate threat and a violation against themselves. We all feel it. It's a lot to deal with, right? So what's the solution? What's the Bible say about stress at work? And I can tell you, I've been going through this, that the, the solution is easy. It's easy to hear. It's easy to know. It can be really difficult to practice. It can be really difficult to live out and to prepare yourself for. Because what we know is in the middle of problems, traffic, screaming toddlers, pressure, homework, stress, we can still have peace in all of that. The Bible promises it, in fact. Jesus actually says, in this world, you will have tribulation. It's going to happen. It's not there may be problems or maybe tribulation. No, you will have tribulation. Who knows? Jesus speaks in, like, ultimates. You will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, he never stressed stuff would go away. He never says stress would go away, sorry. He says, you're going to have stress. You're going to have tribulation, but I got this. He's got it for you. See, there's no, there's no scripture saying that problems will leave you. There's no scripture saying that you'll stop experiencing hard people, bad bosses, that lady that keeps stealing your lunch at work. There's no scripture saying you won't experience terrible pains, terrible just the situations you got to deal with, it's going to happen. But Jesus is going to carry you through that. He's going to help you through that. The promises of the scripture is that you can have peace in the middle of all of that. It's a lot, but there's peace in there. In the middle of your pressure, in the middle of that staff meeting that should have been an email, yes. right? You can find solace knowing that Jesus has got your back. I'm going to buzz. Do I need to stop going over that way? Is it me? Okay, you got it. Thanks, Chris. Chris is awesome, everybody. God never said he'd eliminate it, but he will take you to the middle of your pain and give you peace through it. So the solution that I found comes from a scripture that I actually want to get to at the end of all this. I'm going to kind of start from the beginning and work out because I, I love context. I'm one of the people that when I read a scripture, I love it, but I don't always understand it because I'm a little slow to the uptake. And so I want to start back a few verses beforehand and kind of come back through it. So I'm going to give you that later. But where I want to start... Um, is a scripture that I was going to in the morning, and that's kind of a big premise for all of this, is that here a few, few months back, at the beginning of, uh, I don't know, what was that, uh, before October, Pastor Aaron gave us all the homework assignment to read a book by Pete Scazzaro. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And that book rocked me. Because how many of you guys take a Sabbath? Legitimately. I got less than 10, 5% of you guys. There's hands. Now, how many of you guys take time off every morning to just get quiet before God every day. It's a lot more hands. Okay, we're getting there. It's not everybody. It's a hard practice, right? 
Most of the time, if our kids are waking us up, there is no quiet time. There's no getting away with Jesus and getting quiet. But this book really spoke to me because it talked about getting quiet. It talked about daily office. If any of you guys don't know what daily office is, that's basically just saying it's kind of a, an old practice where people would have prescribed prayer throughout the day, specifically in the morning and the evening. They'd go through their days, but they'd wake up, they'd pray, they'd get quiet before God, they'd, they'd ask him for what he wants. They'd go through the day, they'd do it again at the evening, thank him for the day, pray for preparation for the next day, and they would just repeat that cycle. And this book taught me a lot about that. And so I started using that practice. I'd get up, again, I'm not perfect, you know. It's, there's days where I wake up and I roll out of bed or I forget and I get on TikTok before my Bible <laughs> happens. But getting quiet, getting alone with God and praying can really jumpstart your day. I mean, get on a tangent on that, but it's really, really important. Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 2 says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's saying you've become a Christian, you've accepted him, you've been forgiven. You have to set your hearts on the things above. That's not the same thing. It's not like once you become a Christian, you just automatically are focused on Jesus, automatically focused on heaven, right? We still have those rough days. You set your hearts on Christ above, or on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things, set your minds on the things above not on earthly things. So it talks about your heart and your mind, right? Those are two areas that I think we struggle in, our heart and our mind. That's the stuff that keeps us our focus, the stuff that gives us our, our, our ideas and, and what we do throughout the day. But above this, what makes work stress go down, your nine to five? And I promise you, this is, try this, okay? If what I'm saying doesn't make sense to you or it's just like, oh, it's really simple, just try it, trust me, you'll like it. There's an old song, try it, you'll like it. Uh, starting your day with your heart and your mind set in the right place. Now, I say set it for that day because that's an important part of this whole thing, is you have to know that once you've gotten up and you've set your heart for that day, it ends at midnight or whenever you go to bed that day. It doesn't continue all week. It doesn't continue throughout the, the, the next couple of days. You have to set your, day, your heart every day. You've got to reset your mind every morning. Reset it because it's, you're going to lose it. I don't know why. I'd love for it to continue on, but eventually sometime you're going to lose it. It just, it just dissipates. Daily, you've got to put on a fresh attitude, a fresh perspective, I know a lot of you don't like that perspective word. Deal with it. So we're going to talk a lot about this. One of the main points of my message is your perspective today. At the end of the day, the best solution to your stress, to your workload, to your pain that you experience in your nine to five, whatever you're doing, is a change in your perspective. Where your heart and your mind is, Jesus is going to meet you in the middle of that and find your solution. Colossians 3, 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. And I want to pause there because that's important, right? We get up every day, we have to clothe ourselves. That's like priority number one. No one wants to see us without that first. <laughs> but God makes that a priority too. Clothe yourselves. You have to physically get dressed, but you have to emotionally clothe yourself. Spiritually clothe yourself, clothe yourself every day. Bible says to clothe yourself with compassion, you got to put it on. With kindness, definitely got to put it on. Humility, got to put it on. You got to clothe yourself with gentleness and patience. Patience is a big one. Who knows that when you feel, when you're dressed up, you're wearing a suit, you're feeling snazzy, you feel really good about yourself. Patience for me is my like six piece suit. I'm putting it on every day because I need patience more than anything else. That is the fanciest thing I wear. <laughs> clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You got to put it on daily. It goes on to say, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. If you have an issue with your boss, bear with them, right? 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is all a perspective issue. When you're getting up in the morning and you know you're going to have a lot to deal with, when you know you're going to have a job, if you're a student, homework, studies, kids, family, whatever that looks like for you, you got to set your perspective in the morning. you got to clothe yourself with all the... Gotcha, sorry. you got to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience so that you can be ready for that day. There's no magic bullet to get rid of your boss, sadly. There's no magic... Bullet's probably a bad word in that situation. There's no scripture to prepare yourself to get rid of your boss. There's no scripture for getting a new job to not have to deal with the stresses that you do. It's just going to be there. But it goes on to say, and overall, all these virtues put on love. Love binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what it's about. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot love someone and also just wish them dead. You can't love someone and just want them to go away. Because when you love someone, you want to be close to them. Think of your most loved person in the world. Whether you're still with you, maybe they've even passed. What do you want more than anything else? You want them next to you. You want to be with them, right? Clothe yourself with love for the day. I can basically walk away here. That's it, y'all. That's it. That's the whole point. It's all about perspective, but I can tell you this really, really, really works. Your souls are saved. Once you've got saved, God has freed you from that. You were raised to Christ, but your physical self, you're going to hit a wall. It's just going to happen. When it comes to your work life, you just need to work on your perspective. So I've got three principles I think we're going to go through, and I think that'll help give you maybe the how of it. This is the why and the what, but this, this, this is the how. So three principles. The first one's going to be is you've got to discover your real purpose and make a difference in your life or in the lives of someone else. This is weekly. You've got to find something that makes an eternal difference in someone's life. If your nine to five has nothing to do with people, find someone to walk with. The happiest, most joyful people in the world, they don't have a better job than you. They don't have a better spouse than you. They don't have quieter kids. They don't have less homework. They don't have better finance. They don't have more money. The happiest people just have a different perspective. They take time every week to help someone, to make a difference in the lives of somebody else. And the Bible calls this your calling, right? This is that thing that the Bible asks you to do. The Bible says specifically that, that it's every single person is called, that's the word, to do something in God's kingdom. A lot of people, when you hear about calling, you think, oh, that's a pastor. It's a pastor's job to minister to people, to be good, to be nice to people. It's not. Every single person in this room, every single person watching has a calling on their life to do something in God's economy. Now, I've heard this when I've talked to people about this before. They said, well, that's just God wanting work to get done. That's just God saying, well, we need a lot of stuff. We need a lot of work to get done. And this is just a way to do that, right? But this is the secular world too, guys. The secular world agrees with this, is that the happiest people are the ones doing something with their life that makes a difference in the lives of others. It's not just Christians. I'll put it like this. This is the cleanest way I can put it, is that a career gives you something to live on, right? But your calling gives you something to live for. Your career, you're going to make money. You're going to provide for your family. You're going to get the job done. If you're in school, you're getting ready for providing for your family. But a calling gives you something to live for. It gives you a reason to wake up to get dressed, Right? You're going to go to work. It's not going to be necessarily be your calling. You're going there to pay bills. Who likes paying bills? Boo, thank you, yeah. Big boo. What if you went to work with the perspective not just to make money, but to make a difference? How many of you guys have ever 
gone to work and said, I'm going to make a difference today. Cricket, nah, maybe. Jonesy, I know you do. You're coming up later. For sure, right? But it can be hard. One of the hardest things I've found in life is to make these two things connect, to make my calling and my career connect. It'd be really great if they were all the same thing. If it's all I did was get to do what I'm called to do, and that would provide 100% for my family, but that's not always the case. It's pretty rare, actually. Even one of the most well-known people of the Bible, Apostle Paul, as Aaron says, the person who wrote most of the Bible, you've heard that a lot of times. Even he had a secular job. His whole job, I mean, he was a church planner, he was a lot of things, but he had a secular job too. In Acts 20, Paul said, I do know that it won't be any picnic, for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. What I'm going to deal with is going to be tough. What I'm going to deal with, it's going to, it's going to rock me. The Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly. That's a good reminder. Everyone likes to know. It's going to, it's going to be rough. I keep wanting to say the word suck. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to say that now that I have, but yeah. <laughs> let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. And then he goes on to say, but that matters little. How we get there. Anyone ever read the Bible and you're just like, set. You keep starting over because the first, sen- the first sentence doesn't match the second sentence. How can he be so cool knowing that he's going to get beat up, he's going to get rocked, he's going to get imprisoned, he's gonna, he could possibly lose life, his friends are going to get removed from his life, his world is going to be completely changed, but it matters not, matters little. He goes on to say, what matters most, even though I'm going to have a hard week, even though they're going to lock me up, to me is to finish what God started, the job the master Jesus gave me. That no matter what I'm faced with, no matter what it's, today's going to look like, I'm going to do what I'm called to do. I'm going to continue to do that. Anybody here know uh, Heath Holbrook, the building? As we were moving into our last building, um, there's a lot to do in the building. We were moving into a kind of a shared space with another church organization. There was a lot to do. And I started reaching out to people and asking them to do work and things like that. And, and Heath texted me and said, hey, man, I would love to come help. What can I do? Now, if anyone that don't know Heath knows that he's a, he's a medical nurse. He's actually like a charge nurse. He's the big guy, patches people up, puts everything back where it's supposed to be. That's what he does. That's, to me, that's like one of the coolest jobs, but it's also one of the most vital jobs in, in my opinion, right? It's super important. And when he texted me and I said, dude, you're fine. Don't worry about it. He said, no, no, no I want to come help. There's a lot to do. I said, you've got enough to do. You're, you've got a lot on your plate, man. You've got a great job. You've got stuff you've got to do. You've got people that depend on you. We'll figure it out. I'll, I'll make some calls. He rebuked me again and said, no, no, I, I want to come help. I want to do something. And I started with her, and he literally shut me down, like, you, you need to stop. At this point, he called me, like, we got out of text threat, and I knew it was in trouble. <laughs> he said, why, why aren't you letting me help? And so I broke it down. I said, dude, you've got a lot to do. You've got, you've got an important job. You've got people who depend on you. We can, we can get this done. He said, but now you're not letting me use my calling. And that rocked me for a second. He said, this is something I'm called to do is to help people, not just in my job, but in the church and my community and the people I love. And I was trying to separate him from that. What I learned in that moment is that his calling trumped his career. I mean, his are pretty aligned, but his calling was so important to him that he was willing to risk maybe being a little extra tired that week or whatever that looked like to him, but that was so important to him. That was big for me. 
Bible goes on to, to say in the same chapter, it says, it says, the job the master gave me of letting people I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. Even though Paul's world was falling apart, his mind was still in the right place. His heart was still set on the place above. So the first principle, again, is going to be that you discover your real purpose, you make a difference in our life, or in your life, sorry. Principle two is you can realize that your vocation can be a ministry location, right? Where you work can be the place you do ministry, no matter what that is. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you can do ministry with your kids. If you're a student, you can do ministry at your school. That doesn't just mean that you're, you're clocking in, you're punching, you're getting a paycheck, but that can be an actual place where you make a difference. I, th- I mentioned earlier that Apostle Paul had a secular job, right? In Acts 18, it says, after Athens, Paul went to Corinth. That is where he met, or that's where he discovered Aquila, a, a, Jew, a Jew born to Ponti- or in Pontius, and his wife Priscilla. First of all, Aquila and Priscilla are epic names. We don't name kids like that anymore. We should. It's like a rap group or something. I don't know. It's cool. Aquila and Priscilla. I like it. It says, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So it says that their jobs aligned. They're nine to five. What they did, it, it lined up, and so he went with them. He decided to pair up with them. The Bible talks extensively about how he ministered to them, how he walked with them, how he taught them, how he teached them. That's what he did. You know what the Bible also does? It says one time that he was a tent maker. How excited does he have to be about his job that he mentioned it one time? It says like a hundred things. He's a, he's a pastor. He's a church planner. He's a preacher. He's a gospel writer. One time it says he was a tent maker. He had to be ecstatic about that, right? Anyone not want to tell someone what they do for a living? Been there? Yes. <laughs> So it says he worked with them, he walked with them, they did their trades together, he ministered to them there, and then every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. He walked with them first, he walked with the people at his, at his job, and then he went and did ministry at a, a church. Every place he went was an opportunity, and it can be for you too. Imagine what it'll look like if you wake up one day you read your Bible, you got quiet with God, you participated in your daily office, you spent time praying and preparing yourself. And if you work in an office, you went into the office and you just started blessing people. Instead of cursing people, instead of cussing them out, giving them that one finger salute on the way in, you blessed them a little bit. Maybe you take donuts, maybe you bring coffee. Maybe you bring joy. Maybe you bring life into the office. Maybe you bring smiles and hope to God, maybe you bring Jesus to the office. What would it look like if you took responsibility for your work environment and made a difference in the people around you? What would that look like? Right? We have a thing in our, anyone know about the culture playbook? We got a part in the culture playbook about connections. Specifically, it talks about intentional conversations and effective uh, listening, active caring. That's super important because that is a way that you can legitimately give yourself to someone else in a way that makes a difference in their life. Connection is important. And I remember multiple jobs. I've had a lot of jobs. I don't like to admit that, but I feel like I've had a lot of jobs. There's been a lot of jobs I couldn't care about. I made no connection. I walked in. I walked out. I was barely good enough to know two, three names of the people besides the person I was clocking in with. just didn't care. To me, it wasn't important enough to meet these people because I didn't like where I was. I didn't think I had a calling in my life. I didn't think I had a connection with these people, so why bother? The Bible says there's a lot more to it than that, though. Simply put, When you're going into your job, when you're going about your day, there's two things you can do. 
You can find a need and fill it, and then you find a hurt and heal it. A lot of you are going to think, well, that's a pastor's job. It's not. You can do that too. It doesn't always mean that you're preaching to people at your job. That's not always possible, usually frowned upon, right? Maybe you just listen, that active listening part. You know, I have, uh, I've had uh, the great honor to talk with Ryan Jones, Charles Parks about some of these two. If you haven't met either of those gentlemen, do it. They're incredible human beings. But I talked to them about their jobs, like, hey, what do you do at your job? How does your job? Both of them at times were struggling. And then for some reason, they just started to kind of light up a little bit when they talked about their job. I said, what are you doing differently? They said, well, I just decided that I'm going to be the best I can be at my job. I'm going to be good to people. I'm not going to necessarily preach to them because, again, that's not, it's frowned upon in most places. But I can make a difference there. Maybe it's just looking at someone saying, hey, listen, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand in the gap with Jesus for you so that whatever you've got going on in your life, you can be healed from. What kind of a difference would that make to the people around you? Listen, people, the dream team here at Simple Church is amazing. The people in the parking lot, fantastic. Our production team, fantastic. Our kids workers, amazing. The people making coffee, God bless you, most important of everyone, I don't care. If I've got any team, you're all incredible. But I can tell you that ministry should not just happen inside these walls or freezers or temporary curtains. <laughs> ministry should happen outside of these walls, not just in here. Let your light shine in front of men. Jesus said that. So that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Whether you're a pastor or not, whether you're in a place of leadership or not, let your light shine. Show the world Jesus through who you are and how you act. So your vocation can be your ministry location. The third principle is going to be pretty simple. is You work for God, not people. This one's hard for me. My job is visual. What I do is how things look. I do things so they look good. I make things, I create things, I design things so that the people around me are inspired by it and they can see Jesus through it. But I can tell you, nine out of 10, my struggle is that I don't do that for God. I do it for y'all. That's tough to say. Nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm creating something. I'm going to Pastor Aaron like, hey man, is this good? You like this? You like this? Because I want him to be happy with what I'm doing. My wife is also one of my bosses. I want to make sure that when I get home, I'm not carrying that stuff home with me. Right? I have to remember at the end of every day that what I'm doing, what I'm working for is not for people. It's not for the approval of man. It's for God and what he thinks of me. This brings me to that first scripture that I mentioned in the beginning. This is how all this is, is kind of coming to a head here. In Colossians 3, 23, 24, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward for that. Listen, you have to answer to God for what you've done on this earth. When I get to God and I meet Jesus, none of y'all are going to be there. That sounds bad. No, everyone's going to be there. We're Christians. I'm saying like none of you are going to be like right here in that conversation. It's going to be me and Jesus. We're going to have that conversation and I have to answer for everything that I've done. I have to answer for today, November 21st, right? Okay, thank you. 
I got to answer for, t- for November 21st. Listen, you have to stop thinking about tomorrow. Because tomorrow, you can't give your emotions to tomorrow. You're here today. You need them today. And you can't think about yesterday. It's over. You just paid for that. You're free from yesterday. Worry about today. Keep it right here. Focus on this. We're not promised November 22nd. But I can assure you, when I get up tomorrow, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to put on patience first. And put everything on top of that and be like one of those big kids from my Christmas story. <laughs> and I'm going to move as many people from outside to inside as I can. Now, to me, you know, Pastor Aaron summed this up beautifully a couple weeks ago, and he said, we've got to make heaven full. Outside, inside simply means there are people on the outside. It is cold. It is lonely. There's not much going on there. We need to move them inside of the kingdom of heaven where God can love on them. See, listen, I'll be real with you for a second. I had a long week, crazy week. In the last seven days, I picked up some side gigs because side hustles are important. I've been doing some security work out of the state, out of the city. I've done three of these in seven days. Getting in at three, four in the morning, I am beat. I am tired. I also work at a greenhouse because, you know, growing stuff's fun. Worked there three, week, three days this week. Got a little sleep. Also had to prepare this message. I'm a procrastinator, so, of course, I'm struggling at the last minute to put stuff together. It's been a long week. Got very little sleep, usually three, four hours a night, and I'm just dog tired. I still got to take care of my family. I still try and cook every night when I can. A lot to be done. A lot on my plate. I got a call from, uh, I got a text from my techno wizard master back here, Chris Winters. Everyone knows him. He's incredible. But he texted me on Wednesday and said, hey, man, I need to get into the building on Thursday. I got work to do. I don't have a key. Can you come and hang out so I can get work done? Oh. That was a test. Because I'll be honest, I didn't want to at all. Like, that was the last thing on my mind was Thursday was the only night I had free. I was working in Cincinnati on Wednesday, working in Columbus on Friday. Thursday was the only night I had left. And now I've got to come to the church. I didn't want to. If I was selfish, listen, I, I, I wasn't, I, I was about to say, no, man, let's find somebody else. <laughs> but the difference is I woke up Friday. I, I stood before Jesus. I prayed. I got ready. I set my heart. I set my mind. And I decided that everyone that I came in contact with, I was going to give them my best. So I told him, of course. Still not real excited about it, but of course I'll be there. <laughs> Always ask me. Don't take that as don't ask me. You know that, man. And so I showed up. I chose to give him my best. I chose to give my family my best, to love on them, to care about their needs. But I can tell you that if I didn't wake up on Friday or even on Thursday and prepare my heart, prepare my mind, I wouldn't have shown up well. But instead, I showed up. He got done what he needed to do. I got some quiet time, which was actually good. I worked on my sermon. It worked out really, really well. It made a big impact. Thursday night for me was really, really good for me. It's really special. But if I haven't made that preparation first thing in my day and made it a priority and get my perspective right, I wouldn't have been there. I do my best every day. We need to do our best every day because we're going to stand before God. And I want you to have this perspective. It takes your eyes off that horrible boss when you set your heart right. That long drive into the office, set your heart right. Get ready for that. Put on patience. Put on humility. Larry, with the terrible breath leaning over your cubicle, he's going to be there. (laughs) Patience, 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 humility, humility, breath strips, humility. (laughs) 
your crying children that are waking you up in the morning, you're doing that before the Lord. Colossians 3, 23, 24, the end of that chapter, or the end of that scripture says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So what do you do there? If it's your job, I can tell you a few things. If you flip burgers for a living, fantastic. You are feeding a family. You're working for God. If you're taking care of kids, you're a stay-at-home mom. You are raising the children of God. You are serving God. If you're an executive, you are taking care of and leading the people that God loves. You need to treat them like you care because they matter to God. They should matter to you. You are serving God through that. No matter what you do, treat it as if you're serving God. And I can guarantee you, try it. The stress, the pain, the heartache will start to fizzle off. I can tell you something that stuck with me more than anything else as I was going through this, is this, this line right here, is that today I will live as if this day will be the day that will be remembered. You throw it up on the screen, Chris. Today I will live as if this is the day that will be remembered. How many of us need to wake up and say that first thing out the gate? I can guarantee you that perspective will change your life. So what do you do? First thing you do, you make sure that you discover your purpose and make a difference. Listen, we got growth track, y'all. We make it as easy as possible. You don't know what your purpose is? Go through growth track. Talk to Cheryl Lee. Talk to Pastor Tim. They're going, you're going to find your purpose here at Simple Church. We're good at it. Next, you realize your vocation is a ministry location. You can do ministry wherever with whoever you are around. And then you work for God, not people. Because he's the one that matters most of all. And what you do impacts that relationship more than anything else. This perspective, this prepping of your spirit, getting up in the morning, getting your mind right, getting your heart right, putting on those virtues, putting on love over everything else, like a big winter coat, will make a real difference. Let's pray, y'all. God, thank you so, so very much for being our healer. Thank you for being our encourager. Thank you for being the person who strengthens us, that ministers to us, that gives us courage to make small changes in our life for huge results. Lord, we pray for fresh perspective. Lord, we pray that you help us to know that no matter what is going on in our life, that our bosses won't determine our joy. Our work won't de determine our happiness. Lord, set our hearts on the things above rather than earthly things, Lord. Lord, I pray you help us to leave here better than the way we walked in. We know that your word works. I pray that you keep it hidden in our heart, stronger today more than ever before, that we can go back to it and know that through our trials, through our tribulations, you have overcome them already. And maybe there's somebody in the room here that doesn't even know Jesus. That's the first step. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about God a lot in this room. That's what we do. We're a church. And y'all like, wait, who's this guy? I can tell you right now, if you don't know Jesus, it's awesome. I'm gonna give you a moment here in a little bit to, to raise your hand and say, listen, I, I don't know God. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you knew him and you don't now. Maybe you never knew him. Maybe in your relationship, and you just need to re-up. You need to say, hey, man, I'm recommitting my life today. 
Because listen, you don't have to carry the weight of your own sin. Jesus died for that. He paid for it. It is done. You just have to accept it. You got to repent from that. That's a big, ugly word. But listen, repent is easy. All it says is you mean to decide to change. That's all it is. You just have to acknowledge God. I'm going to give you a second. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to have you raise your hand if you need that today. And we're going to have pastors up here after the service. Remember, there's going to be pastors up here. If you're a pastor in the room and you're available, come on up here. If you need prayer at the end of service, come right up to the front here. It's not an altar. It's a big, ugly, yellow Aldi floor. But Jesus is here too, y'all. This can be the best decision of your life. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. Everyone with me? One, two, three. Who needs that today? Just raise your hand. All right. That's awesome. I'm going to help you guys with the prayer. Remember, Simple Church, no one in this house prays alone, right? Let's all pray together. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Give me rest. Give me your peace. Forgive me and fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new right now. Show me how to live for you and tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Guys, let's give it up for everyone who made that decision today. That is absolutely incredible. Let's listen. The Bible says that anyone who makes that decision, that heaven is celebrating with you. We are celebrating with you. We are so excited for that step you made. I said before, we're not going to ask much from you. If you made that decision, fill out that Connect card. We would love to hear that. There's next steps you got to take, right? I'd love to talk to you about baptism. That's the outward thing, right? You said that in your heart today, but the outward expression is to, is to get baptized. There's steps for that. We do it every month. Tank's right over there. You can see it. You can get ready for it. Let, let Eller dunk you. <laughs> Put on the Connect card that you want to get baptized. Put on there that you're uh, interested in joining a team. You're interested in grow groups. Grow groups is our small groups, man. We, we're all about it. We can make a big difference. Feel like you're interested in growth track. Again, we talked about how you can actually discover your purpose, the how behind all that. That's how. Fill out the Connection card. Take it over to Connection. They got a gift for you. They want to love on you as well. But I uh, want to take a quick second. Uh, if any of you guys prepared an offering, our gift box is in the back. There's also some ways coming up on the screen right now. You can fill it out online. You can fill it out on your cell phone and text it in there. Uh, again, we thank you guys so much for your generosity. If it is your first time guest, we don't expect anything from you. We want a lot for you. Um, but if you did prepare that offering, those are the ways to do it. Listen, your generosity is really important. This week, uh, Pastor Tim and his son were able to take 25 Thanksgiving baskets to families in need who didn't have food for Thanksgiving. That's incredible. Yeah. Clap for that. Coming up here at Christmas time, we've got Holiday Hope. And if any of you guys have been a part of that, it's incredible. I don't know the numbers. I'm going to ask Tim to shout that out. But how many kids are we able to bless this, this year? We've got 25 kids. 225. That's awesome, guys. It's 225 kids that we're buying all their Christmas gifts for. That's incredible. If you want to be a part of, of passing out the gifts or continuing to shop for those gifts, make sure you fill that out on the card. There's still opportunities to do that as well as, as giving towards that. But we've got a Christmas service. We've got some incredible stuff coming out, guys. Um, we've got a Christmas uh, party. Who's excited for the Christmas party? Right? It's December 6th at uh, uh, Urban Air right over here. It's an incredible time. Laura Clark is going to smash everybody, so come ready to lose. But it's going to be an incredible time. We'd love to have everybody there. Um, there's a sign-up online as well. You can get information at the Connect Center. So we love you guys. Let's pray for you real quick, and let's dismiss. God, thanks for a beautiful Sunday. Well, it's rainy, but thank you so much for the opportunity to come together to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds to grow closer to you, Lord. We pray for more opportunities just like this. 
We pray that everyone in this room can get home safely, that they can have a blessed week. They can start their day growing closer to you so that they can go out their day with some joy in their life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. We do all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Simple Church. Y'all have a great week. There's a way back home for the wandering soul. There's a peaceful calm for the restless one. And if you're so far gone, you can't see the shore. But just lift your eyes and look to the Lord. Remember the night back in late November. I was out in the cold, I was alone praying for answers. The storm was loud, but it couldn't tell me nothing. The fire was wild, but it just left me struggling. You're moving the stillness, you're moving the stillness. Closing the distance, now I can feel it. Now I can feel ya. Your voice isn't hidden, your voice isn't hidden. I just gotta listen. count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out Remember the night back in late November. I was out in the cold, I was alone praying for answers. The storm was loud.
loud, but it couldn't tell me nothing. The fire was wild, but it just left me struggling. You're moving the stillness, you're moving the stillness, closing the distance. Now I can feel it, now I can feel ya. Your voice isn't hidden, your voice isn't hidden. I just gotta listen, listen. Right here, and no matter where I go, I know I will never be alone. 